Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to the Playing Away From Home podcast. Brilliant. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Uh, good to see you again. So we'll, we'll we'll kick things off going back to the start of your football career, really. So was it Chester, the first club you, you got involved with? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a bit of a bit of my journey, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I started at Chester as a kid. Um, again, you you know, I look back now and you see the game in a different light once you you know once you're 29 sort of thing. Yeah, I look back when I was a kid and I see at that stage it'd probably been beneficial to have been at a club like a Liverpool or Everton or Manchester United because I think if you start at a club like that, you can always fall down where it's a little bit harder to push against the tide and wait. But at that stage, you know, you're looking at like 2007, 2008, teams back then were predominantly just wanting big, massive kids, you know, just big, athletic, strong kids. And we weren't really looking for footballers at times. That probably went away against me. So I ended up at Chester. Um, it's funny now because when I, I've got a few friends who are now coaching at, you know, like Liverpool's and Everton's, and all they want now is kids who are technically good, can handle the ball and, you know, one on one pressure and that sort of stuff. There's, there's definitely been a shift in the game. Um, so maybe I was just just around at the wrong time at that you know at that age. But as I happened to start off at Chester, um, been around the first team at seventeen, and then then the actually got injured around the Christ, the Christmas time. I think we played crew. I don't know if it was a reserve game or something, but I, I done my ankle, just rolled my ankle and was out for a few months. And come the end of the season, the the club basically was on the verge of folding, um, because. You know, obviously everything that was going on around the club, you had to restart again as like a Phoenix club, you know, a few leagues down and uh, in the back in the conference north now. But that was the situation back then. So I found myself at 18, sort of leaving a, at the time, it was a Puma Youth Alliance team. So 18, uh, yeah, so there wasn't really much much on the horizon. You don't know too many people in the game. You don't know any yeah. agents contact so I just dropped into playing playing non-league and it was always me it was always my goal to get back to playing professional football as it happened the, the first year looking back at 18 I was probably still a kid you know um, and I found that transition to men's football slightly different especially being a different style because I used to I was used to sort of a certain level training day and day out with, with the league two lads and then at the time it was a uni bond league and it's funny because Jamie Vardy was actually playing in the in the same league that season, yeah. um, he was at Lancaster. They had a good, they had a good team that year. I think they actually won promotion. And um, if I remember rightly, it was us, us, I was at Colum Bay. It was us and Lancaster that got promoted. And we both went up to the Evo Stick Prem for the, for the, sorry, the Unibon Prem at the time for um, for the next season, which would have been season 2010-2011. But I think that um, might have been that game. Was it? Was it like a playoff match at Lancaster and? I think Colwyn Bay got a penalty and it was that wet and boggy. They like couldn't that find the penalty that spot or something. That's was that, that game randomly? I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. I think it was us and Lancaster who may have got promoted that year. And so, oh, that was a playoff game. And I think Halifax, who Jamie Vardy was, that went straight up. Yeah, Halifax, that, yeah. that was it because I think we used to play uh, a ground called Lachey or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so there was a lot of good lads playing in the in the non-league at that time. I think Andre Gray was playing in there. He obviously ended up in the Premier League with Watford. Scott Hogan was was floating around as yeah. well. Um, they 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 were two lads that were at, at Brentford when I was there as well. So there, there was a lot of there's a lot of quality. I, I mean, I'm sure there still is a lot of quality in non-league. Just sometimes gets a little bit overlooked. Um, but anyway, so the next year I ended up actually going on loan. I was 19 and I. You know, hand on heart, I didn't really set the world alight at Colin Bay, you know, that first year. I think I was a bit disillusioned with the game, to be mm. honest. You know, 
I was seeing lads who were playing League One, League Two, who had sort of I'd, I'd say I got the better of them in the in the under 18s and then you know I was probably just licking my wounds, feeling sorry sorry for myself. But it was around summer 2010, and then I went I went on holiday uh, with the lads, come back, and then I was like, right, I need to make a decision now. I'm, I'm either going to go for this in terms of football and really really get me not necessarily get me act together, but sort of you know nail something down this season. Uh, or I was going to go to you know to university. So I remember at the time looking at um, some colleges in America, um, and then I ended up going on loan to Landudno, and things really clicked for me there. I scored seven and fourteen from midfield, and I think nothing really changed in terms of my ability in football. I feel I just probably grew as a person. That's probably the best way to, to describe it. Um, from there, I remember we were playing real, real with a. You know, they were a bit of a powerhouse at the time in Welsh football. It was always MTNS that had historically in the previous 10 years been in and around Europe. And um, I think we ended up beating them 2-1, one game. I got beat 2-1 against me, 1-2-1. I scored both games. So the manager there was a fellow called Greg Strong and he ended up getting in touch for the next season. Uh, that summer I had interest from Cyprus, but I just had a really good feeling about playing for Strong. He, he really wanted me. I was, I was only still just 20, put a lot of responsibility and faith into me. So I signed for him and I think things went, went really well for him. I think I scored six in my first eight games, just playing as like a box-to-box number eight and ended the season with about 16 goals in 35 games. And from there, I got me the opportunity at Morecambe. Uh, you know, finally I was 21 back in the league. Well, actually, that wasn't without its, its hiccups. Like, I mean, I went to sign for Morecambe. I went in on trial with Morecambe, done well. Went to, uh, went to sign, but it was past past the, uh, the transfer window and because I was coming from the Welsh Federation to the English Federation like an international transfer yeah which is normally fine but because I wasn't a professional footballer the year before I was semi-pro you can't do it mm. so I had to wait until January to sign and then eventually signed to come on um, maybe football league debut away at uh, Plymouth and um, I think I scored the 25 yard at about 10 minutes after coming on so that was uh, that was quite nice I actually remember I was, I was warming up there was a a fella on the um, bench for them, uh, Reese. something, I can't remember his name, but he was a striker in the previous year for the team uh, in the Welsh League. And I think he'd, he'd always been like a top scorer in the Welsh League for years. If I remember, he was a fireman, but he, he'd always been turned down in the Football League, but he yeah. just wanted to play in the Football League for a year. So uh, he, he said to me on the uh, on the sideline, said, we were doing the, the team, the team, like the team uh, analysis before the game and the manager didn't have a clue who he was because he, he'd never heard of you. So we asked if anyone knew who he was and I said, yeah, because I scored a hat-trick against this team in the Welsh yeah. FA Cup team before. He said, oh, he's got a decent shot and that. So it was nice to want to come on to obviously score after 10 minutes and it settles the nerves, you know, obviously you, you've sort of been wanting to play in the Football League for so long, you finally get that opportunity. And um, yeah, so it was how, nice. How and- did, um, sorry, like the, the interest from Morecambe, it's not often that, um, football league teams like pick anything from Wales like you get a few from, from maybe Ireland more so these days but did you have a few scouts at your games or well at the time if, uh, some were coming I think you had two young lads in midfield at real me and a lad called Paul Mooney Paul Mooney got interest from Swindon um, I had a little bit of interest from Crew, I think at the time um, a little bit of interest from Ross County in Scotland and then up at Morecambe was Kenny McKennan and Jim Bentley now they're both local lads. You obviously know everyone in the area who plays yeah. football. I think they'd heard a little bit about me. So he said, listen, get them up for pre-season. And, you know, given the duty were great. I mean, as soon as I could sign, Jim gave me the number 10 shirt, you know, which is 
a huge sign of faith on, for, you know, from, from himself. So that was nice, especially for a lad who was, you know, just 21 and having kicked the ball in the football league. Yeah. Started off really well. I mean, like I said, I scored against uh, Plymouth and I come on again two weeks later against Dagenham when we were one 0 down. I ended up scoring again and we won two one. And then I got my first start against York a week later. After that, we won four 0 So it was nice. And they gave me a new because they, you know, I only signed to the end of the season and they gave me a new contract then until um, the end of the season. Sorry, until the end of the the season after. But yeah. uh, in the in the this was around the February and the September. We obviously or the August start of the next season, we ended up playing like Wolves and I think I scored the free kick there and yeah, it was Newcastle after that. It got B2-0, but in the papers, I was getting like man of the match and things. So they gave me a new deal then. So it was like, they showed great faith in me. And, you know, I think I'd, I'd signed basically three contracts in the space of about seven months. So, you know, that was nice. I had, a, I had a really good relationship as well with not only Jim and Kenny, but, you know, the fans and everyone around the club. It was, it was very much a... Um, a community club in that sense, you know. So it was a good introduction for me into into the world of football. And then from there, I ended up getting the getting the move to to Brentford, which which was good in one respect, but it was probably the right club at the wrong time. Um, the club's gone from nothing but strength to strength, but that was yeah. just a bit of a blip, a blip year for the club. Like we we had three managers in the space of like six months when I was there, and I I I basically left about a month after Dean Smith come. Um, you could see straight away his training sessions were, you know, they were top quality, they were fantastic. He knew he was going to take the club to, you know, to new highs, which he obviously inevitably did, and then ended up at Aston Villa himself. So you could see straight away he was going to be a top manager. Him and his assistant uh, Richard O'Kelly, they're both very good people as well. But I was at the point where I hadn't kicked the ball in six months. You know what I mean? So I was like, I've got to leave here. So I went to I went to Scotland uh, with Inverness. Had a had an enjoyable three three months or so there. Um, and then we were sort of in negotiations for me to stay for the for the season after, but the money that was being offered wasn't, you know, wasn't right, you know, for me, and that was fine. And obviously, you could sort of see their budget being cut. Yogi, the manager, had left, um, so you you knew at this point I was twenty four. You can you can understand what's going on at clubs at this point. You've seen it all before, so I was like. Mm. And obviously, they end up getting relegated the year after. I think the you know the budget got massively cut, but that was a summer where. My my adventures abroad started to to come into play. Um, Paul Daglish called me from Ottawa, and um, did you already you know, know him? Did you already have a? I I didn't have a previous relationship with Paul. No, I knew who he was because I actually had it um, when I, when I was a kid. I was about seven or eight. I used to collect like these football packs called Football Magic or something. And one of the ones I had was like a little a little thing of Paul when he in his yeah. Newcastle kit. And um, <laughs> so I knew I actually knew who he was, but. Then we ended up um, having a having a bit of a FaceTime and he was explaining to me his vision at Ottawa and the way he wanted to play. He said, you know, he'd he'd rung a few people in England about me and you know, he'd had really good really good reports on me. So would I be interested in, in going over? And I had a had a couple of mates over there who were playing for him at the time and they only said good things about him. So it was a case of like, right, let's go. And literally that was on the on the Tuesday, because I was actually at Vauxhall Motors watching me mate play when Paul called me. And then by the next Monday I was I was in Canada. And that's how, that's how quick it happened. So, yeah, you I have no to, qualms at all about going to the side of the world. Just go for it, yeah. You know what? I think to tell you the truth, I was probably at a stage in my life where, because of the previous twelve months, I'd sort of gone from the highest assignment for Brentford to then things not working out to experiencing the sort of the time. And Scotland was enjoyable, but 
he already had a settled team, so he wasn't really given too much in the way of opportunities. So that's a bit of a bit of a, a weird twelve months where I was probably a little bit disillusioned with with things to tell you the truth. So I was just like, you know what? I'm 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 open to trying it. Like, yeah. Um, truth be told, it was probably the best decision I've ever made in the sense that I grew so much as a person. Then first twelve to eighteen months of you know a new country, meeting new people. You just you have your own space to really grow into to who you are as a person. Independent, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, it's one thing moving to London or moving to, you know, to Inverness or moving to a completely new country. And then not only that, we were flying to games. So my first game for Ottawa was in Jacksonville in Florida. You're going to Minnesota, you're going to Miami, you know, you're going all, you know, Oklahoma, you're going all over the place. So you're experiencing different places. And, you know, anyone who's been to America will tell you like Oklahoma is a completely different place to Minnesota, which is a completely mm. different place to Florida. to new. They're also, it's so vast. So different. So that was a that was really good to me, and it was it was also good to experience like a dressing room with with different sorts of cultures in there. So I've predominantly been in England, where you know you had English or Scottish Irish lads. Obviously at Brentford we had a couple of uh, Danish lads and and stuff like that as well, and a few Spanish. But going to America in the team, you know, you had your Brazilians, Argentinians, Africans, Canadians, Americans, English lads, Irish lads. There was such a mix in there, and. So that was really good. And, and the football was a different style of football. It was actually, I found it more tactical than, well, a lot more tactical than, you know, like League One, League Two football. Um, so that was a that was a really good experience for me. And then off the back of that, you know, things things went really well for me. So I ended up getting a move, well, getting interest when, when my contract finished uh, at the end of 2017. I obviously haven't played with, with the Brazilian lads. Uh, they're Brazilian agents who'd watch the game and I think, you know, one of them just took a fancy to me and he got in touch and said, listen, if I could get a team for you in Brazil, would you be interested? And at this point, I was comfortable with travelling, you know, with that 18 months of, you know, being there and really growing into myself. I said, yeah, no problem, didn't hesitate. And uh, so I went over there and it was, a, <laughs> again, this was not necessarily naivety, but a little bit of understanding of, a lack of understanding, I should say, of how culture plays, a, you know, it's a completely different yeah. culture again. So I, I'd sign there and, you know, the fans were great. The standard of football was very good, very good style of football. You know, in Brazil, you can find a world-class player hiding under a, a rock in the middle of the street, you know what I mean? They're everywhere. Um, when I was meant to be involved in my first game, on the Friday, I got pulled in and said, listen, Ryan, there's been a mistake. Um, we didn't realise you need a visa to be able to actually legally play in this country. So... Uh, you can't get these visas in the country. You have to be out of the country to get them, and then you enter the country. So they had to put me on a plane to Argentina. Uh, I went to a place called Foz de Guasu, um, which is quite cool because you got to see these big, you know, waterfalls. Which I don't know if like one of the wonders of the world or something, yeah. but um, you know, it's a bit of a famous site. Went there. I was there for three days. Got my visa. Went back. Flew back to Belém, which took me two flights. First thing, I had to fly to Sao Paulo, then Sao Paulo back to Belém which is up north near the Amazon. And then literally, I think there was 48 hours before the, the window shut. So we went to like the, um, and this has nothing to do with the football system, but the, the Brazilian like registry thing. Yeah. And yeah. The, the council officers, we went there. Their whole system was down nationally until the Monday. So we missed the deadline. So I couldn't, so basically I was just training for three months until I could play. Yeah. I finally registered me in April. And um I registered, uh, you know, made my debut, done well. Um, then I didn't play. I wasn't involved in the next two games. I was on the bench. 
didn't play. And I was just like, at this point, again, it was probably disillusionment in the sense that I've been there for six months. I played about 20 minutes of football. So no fault of my own. And I wouldn't necessarily say the clubs that they'd never signed a European player before. I was going to say, but... was there anyone else that were you just like surrounded by Brazilians? What was it like to, you know, did you feel a bit isolated in that sense? Or you know what? Honestly, Brazilian people are amazing. Like mm. so friendly, and there's only two or three lads who could speak speak English. But I think by doing that, you start to immerse yourself in the language and you start to, yeah. to pick things a little bit quicker. Within about five months, I mean, I, I wasn't fluent in Portuguese by any stretch of the imagination, but I could I could have small conversations and I could understand what was being said around me and and stuff like that. So. You know, the, the lads there were class like, dude, they were always having barbecues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd always go, you know, be around at one of the lads' houses, you know. And I still keep in touch with quite a few of the lads to this day. Um, so that was, you know, that was a, that was a great experience. Um, obviously, my next trip abroad from there was going to Half the Athletic in, in 2019, back in the USL. I think because of how the experience I've been in Brazil, as much as I love the football, I just wanted somewhere where I could, you know, where I could go and, and sort of touch down for a year. And, uh, ended up signing for uh, a fellow called Jimmy Nielsen. He was fantastic. I, I can't, can't praise Jimmy enough. What, what a, what a great man. What a great manager. Um, him, and his, him and his assistant Chris Spenlove, both you know, fantastic people. Um, that year we, we because it was a, it was a new team for the league. We actually started with I think it was nine or eleven away games. So you know you, you straight away you, you play nine, nine road games, which. In England isn't what isn't an issue, but in America, if you're you're, you're playing on a Saturday, you're flying back Sunday, you're having an off day, like you, you'll be off on the Monday, and you train Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'd be flying again Friday, playing. So you constantly you, you weren't settled for nine weeks. It was mm. that, uh, that was interesting. So we had a really tough start to the season that year, but then halfway through the season, uh, things seemed to really click for the team, and uh, we started to you know put better performances and better performances in and we had stronger performances and um, picking up a few few wins here and there and you know we, I felt like we were really starting to build something um, as seems to be the, the situation with football over the last couple of years at the end of the year the, the budget got cut so uh, the manager Jimmy left along with his assistant Spenny and I think they had two years left on the deal as well but they decided you know it was in their best interest to leave so at that point, I'd, I'd built a really good relationship with them and, you know, I, I felt I owed them a debt of loyalty, like, so I've, I've obviously ended up moving on myself and because of the season that I had, had, especially the second half of the 2019 season, I knew I'd have opportunities. I mean, towards the end of the, the 2020 season, about six weeks to go left of the season, I think Oklahoma, they tried to trade for me, but it just wasn't the right time for me to move, you know, with six, six games of the season left. And, you know, it was a shame that because Oklahoma is a fantastic organisation. I know, I know a few of the people involved there, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the front office side of things and you know, they're really good people there. They would have been a good organisation to play for. It was just that the time wasn't right for me. Um, so then again, 2020 rolls around and football's up in the air. I was like, oh my God, I literally went about nine months without the team. I was like, what's going on? But... It can be quite stressful, and I, and I know a lot of players are, you know, in the in a situation where they've been probably worrying about paying the bills and stuff. Because let's face it, at this level of football, you, you're not a millionaire or nothing like that. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate in that I've got me, you know, obviously me financial planning qualifications and stuff now. So I was I was doing a bit of work in that industry as well, and 
you know, I was, I was playing, playing, a, playing regular five-a-side as well. So a, a, a mutual friend of mine put me in touch with uh, Stephen Ireland, you know, the lad who's played for Manchester City. He invited me up to play some five-a-side up in, up in Manchester. So I was going up there once or twice a week. And that was good because you'd have, like, you know, Stephen Ireland to play. Sometimes you had Jolien Lescott's been there, Darren Fletcher, Emil Heskey's been up there. Um, oh, nice. Marmade Youth, who was at Stoke, you know. So there's there's a lot of lot, lot of good lads playing. Uh, it was always good good standing, you know, kept you fit sort of thing. So you know, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then the the Sweden opportunity rolled around, and I ended up signing out there and played for uh, a really good manager, uh, Oscan. Very very good, very impressive. Um, really good training sessions, very tactical. And for me, I think that 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 sort of been the uh, the journey of my career and. Being able to experience coaches from all around the world, you know, different different styles of different styles of football, different cultures, different dressing rooms. That's one thing that has been is an is an education. It's been an experience, you know, and I feel like I've learned so much. And I was, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I feel like I've probably grown as a person exponentially in a way that wouldn't have occurred had I just stayed in England and done the you know the lower league circuit and League yeah, One League. Of course. No. Truth be told, I, I probably would love another another season just to experience, you know, League One or League Two again. Just uh, just because when I'm when I'm watching, it actually looks a very different game to the game I left behind back in in twenty what was that 2015, 2015 was the last time I played in League Two with Morecambe. Um, so the game's changed a lot, and it does look does look good. But it's funny, I do view the game very differently now to how I did view it previously. You know, with the the experiences I've, I've got now. I mean, back back then, you, I used to look at League Two as like, oh, maybe this is because I come from non-league. I thought it was, you know, this, fan, you know, it was a great level, you know, really good. And I look at it now, and you can sort of see the limitations in in the level. You know what I mean, and and stuff like that because you you know you experience complete different styles of football, I suppose. But um, one 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 thing I can say is my experience playing in like the USL and in America, and you know. League Two in England, there's there's a lot of good players at that level, you know, who, who could go on to, to do better things. I mean, if you look at it, uh, Ollie Watkins, he's doing brilliant at Aston Villa now. He was playing at Exeter when I was in in League, you know, League Two. You've got yeah. there, like I mentioned before, your Scott Hogan's and your Andre Gray's who've gone on to do great things. And you know, you look at the USL lads who've been played in the USL um, since 2016 who were kicking on. Alfonso Davis is doing great at Bayern Munich. Um, he was Tyler Ad- was doing well. He played into Liverpool in Champions League last week. He was at Red Bulls too in that league, you know. So there is a lot of quality all around the world, and it's given me it's given me an insight in the sense that you know one day should I ever you know take a role on as like a maybe a technical director or something like that, or a, you know an organisation, a, a way to sort of I'd want to operate in terms of scouting the market because, like I said, there's a lot of undervalued undervalued gems out there, and I think if you can get them early enough and get them into your organisation, not only can it be profitable for, for the club in terms of, you know, the the, the the economical side of things, you're looking at, like, the the huge benefit that these lads can bring to a team. You know, the the hungry, the, the, all they're just waiting for is that opportunity, like. Yeah. It, it, overall, obviously, you've got a pretty unique journey, I think, for any any English footballer. What would you say was the, the highest level in terms of best quality football that maybe took you by surprise or where you thought, Wow, this this is you know top quality. I'm doing well. 
it's difficult for me to judge because I've experienced them all at different different times in my in my career. Yeah. And I've probably been at different levels at these times. Um, I found when I initially went to Brentford, um, obviously they were a championship team, I found that to be a, a jump for me too. Um, having said that, though, I think it was also more, I was like, wow, you, you know, because I come from League Two. But then when I was a little bit more mature, I've gone to Brazil. That was a, a similar level in terms of CDB, you know, secondly. But the the level of domestic talent there was frightening. Like, and it was, it, I always say this: it's difficult to compare directly because the styles of football are so different. Um, but there was there was a lot of talent in in, in Brazil, like a, a lot. Is it just your typical sort of flair, skilled sort of thing you would expect from Brazilians, or not necessarily? No, I mean they, they were all technically very good. So do do what I describe as press resistant. So you'd have to kind of like. It's, fun, it's funny because in Serie A in Brazil, it's, it's quite open and quite exposed. And But in that Serie B, I noticed teams were very much in like blocks and just didn't want to be broke down. Because if you if you were taking the games to the other team and you you know you gave a pass away, they will just cut right through you because they've got speed. Mm. And, you know, they, they understand the game very well. Like, they really do. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the biggest thing for me, was how press-resistant they are. You know, you, you press them, go and get tight, and they'll roll you and they'll spin you in the gomeras. Even in the championship level in England, you you press a lot of players properly, you know, under a under a good organised press from a team, and you you can win the ball back. There'll be a lot of turnovers, but that Brazil, like you start pressing teams, and they'll just play through you. So yeah. it's kind of it's a bit safer to get in a defensive block and just make it hard for them to you know to break you down. So that was definitely an uh, that was definitely an education, like like a real education. Surpri- surprising for me though is the especially over the last few years, really grew is the the level of the USL in America. I mean, it's getting better and better every year. And there's a lot of lads I find in, in that league who could who could do really well in the, in England, especially because of how how, how athletic they are. Um, especially League One, League Two in England, so many transitions in a game. The speed that these lads have and the athleticism, you know, they're, they're built to run like so. They 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 they, they could really capitalise on that sort of tactical it's not really about tactics is it in League 1 and League 2 it's just a bit of a dust up like so they yeah, can really yeah. eyes on that yeah so you know I think I think there's definitely a market there that was surprising but in terms of the to answer your question in terms of the best level I'd say it's definitely in the championship and CDB in Brazil like with them going back to the USL championship in America obviously there's no promotion and relegation there the, the teams at that level do they get a bit Pissed off almost that you're into Miami's and whatever, just start a franchise and go straight in. Like, yeah, I mean, wanting to go on to that, or are they happy at the level? Like, with the some of them, some of them would love to. I mean, you look at Miami FC, uh, not into Miami, their owner Ricardo Silva's a Brazilian um, TV TV guy, worth a fortune. He's he's been a huge advocate for um, promotion relegation and. To be honest, I, I agree with them. I mean, from my time in America, I mean, played I played Minnesota, I scored twice against them. But then the season after, they, some of their lads are playing in the MLS just because their team bought a franchise in there. You know, we played Nashville in the USL. They, they ended up in the, the MLS for last season. So mm-hmm. team, you know, for the franchise in the MLS, you're looking at 200 million. You know, it's Imagine not cheap. It. Um, 
for me, I think if the problem you've got in America now, for me, if they had promotion and relegation, they would be one of the top five leagues in the world within 10 years because you, if you have a promotion and relegation, you probably have to get rid of the salary caps and stuff. So teams could have whatever budget they want to be trying to win, ultimately trying to win at, at any cost. So that would drive the prices of salaries through the roof, which would then attract, obviously, even more better players than, than they've already got access to. Now, the problem you've got with that is a lot of these franchises have bought their way into the league. So mm. you just played 200 million to get into the league and then you got relegated down a division. Mm. There'd, have to, there'd have to be some sort of plan put in place to, 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 to recompensate. But if you if there was promotion and relegation between USL and MLS, you'd see a lot more lads move from the USL to the to the top league. Like, like in England, you get a lot of lads who do well in the champ, they'll go into the Prem. doesn't work quite like that in, in America. It's like, it seems it's a bit more of a closed-off system. And once you've been categorised as a USL player, you don't necessarily get that opportunity in the MLS. So it's like, I've, I've come across... There are lads, plenty of lads in the USL who are better than players in the MLS. Obviously, the top half of an MLS roster will be, will be stacked with talent. But the bottom half of that USL of that MLS roster, some of the lads will go on loan to USL affiliates, yeah. and we don't they don't stand out at all in the USL. Yeah. But then I'll, I'll come across some lads and I'll be like, "How have you not had an opportunity in, in in you know in the MLS?" I mean, I'm just going from from speaking against players I played against the midfield. I look at players like Wildfall, very good player, a German lad midfielder. He just signed for Oakland Moots and a new team in the in the USL. He's, he's consistently made the playoff every year in the MLS, in the USL, but he's never had an opportunity in the MLS. You know, Miami FC, they've just signed a lad from uh, Louisville, uh, Speedy Williams. He's, I think he's a Jamaican lad, another centre midfielder. I think he's won the league two or three times, been captain of the team. He's 27, 28. He had a little spell at Red Bulls too as a kid, but then he's obviously grown and developed as a player and he's, he's not had another opportunity in the MLS, which he should have. I mean, in England, if you if you don't make the cut at Liverpool, but then you drop down the champ, prove your you know prove your worth, you go back up to the to the Prem. Yeah, yeah. it's not quite the case in, in America. But for example, I'll take him for an example. If he'd have won the the USL like he did twice with Louisville, and then he got promoted to the MLS, he'd have then started his MLS his MLS journey, and he'd probably spend the next ten, five ten years in the MLS. Yeah. But he, he's he's having another season now in the USL with Miami FC. Um, and it's you know it's, it's a good level but as players you're naturally you, you target always to progress up the leagues but it doesn't seem to be the case in the in the in the US USL to MLS obviously you'll get like a lot of a lot of um, statistics coming out oh so many players will move from here and there. but really it's a, a large portion of that will be lads moving from USL like set two teams to the first team so be a lad moving from Red Bull 2 to to New York Red Bulls. Yes, or, they're already uh, pretty much. Exactly. DC uh, United second team is loud and United, loud and United. So the lads, the young lads, just moving up. You know what I mean? It's a, it's so a that, complicated, complicated system in the MLS, isn't it? Like with all the, like you said, the salary caps and there's a certain amount of, uh, of players that you can have and whatever and from different backgrounds or whatever. Players, I think, um, or players who who are clusters under the foreign quotas who don't have a green card. You've got DPs, you can have three of them, designated players, TAM players, targeted allocation money. Um, I think this year they're, they're introducing something new for like young players under the age of 22. 
where they where they purchased them from abroad or something like that. I don't I don't know the full inner workings of it, but I just read about it the other day. So it's it's an ever it's an ever changing sort of model over there. You know, mm. I think they're trying to become more of a selling league now, so they're going to want more younger younger players because obviously historically they did have a have a reputation as a retirement league. That's no longer the case now. Mm. You know, you can see that with players like Alfonso Davis coming through the league, but it's um. If, if I had one wish for you know American American soccer, it would be that they eventually do have that promotion and relegation because it would open up so much opportunity not only to the players to progress, um, but it will also open a window to a, a, a huge influx of more top talent. And yeah. I, I know a lot of lads in that USL, very good players, but they've, they've given up on even playing in the unless they know it's just not going to happen no matter how good they play. You know, Do they then look to try and just get out of America, so to speak. Are they happy at that level? Obviously, there's a bit of a barrier for them, so they'd look going yeah. elsewhere in in the continent, or and 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 that's a thing. So some of the lads may may go from, you know, you might get a move from the USL, go to a Sweden, go to a Denmark. If if they can get an English part, uh, if they've got English in the past, in the past, they might go to England, whatever. But then if they were to go to like. Let's say they went to the the Alsvenskan in Sweden and the top league in Sweden and done really well. The MLS would then take them. Yeah. The MLS would then take them, but it's the same player just twelve months before he was playing the USL, so he's not on the radar as much. I think it's. I think I don't know if it's. I don't. I don't know if it's MLS teams are more image conscious or they're scared of making a mistake or they categorise players with certain things. But it's just not a, the, the movement between the leagues is not as fluid. I mean, it was nice this year to see. Uh, Tyler Pasha go from India 11 to Houston, I think it was. He's a striker. He scored a lot of goals and definitely deserves his opportunity. But looking back, he probably should have had that opportunity two years ago. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's one of them. It's a, it's a little bit, it's a bit more than there. It's a, um, yeah, it can be it can be a bit of a, a bit of a strange market in that sense. But there's definitely definitely so much room for for growth over there, like 100. percent And in terms of everywhere you've been, what was your favourite? place to live like just culture wise like what did you enjoy the most and why so I really really enjoyed uh, living in Ottawa when I first moved out there loved it um, I did, like I said I had a really good relationship with um, the coaching staff um, the players were amazing great group of lads uh, really 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 good good group to be a part of them I don't know if that was because it was my first time living living in you know a different continent sort of thing and Everything was new and shiny to me. I don't know, but I really, really loved that place. The culture around it was fantastic. I mean, again, coming from English Football League, where, you know, you'd be playing, then after the game, you just drive home, and then that's it, it's done. Over there, it was like, we'd play a game, and then we'd go out for a meal as a team. Do you know what I mean? Everyone would go and have a, have, a, have a little bit of food together, or some of the lads might have a couple of drinks if we've won. And it, it give it a bit more of a... But I don't know, I just think in terms of team building and culture, it was fantastic. You, you know, it, it's probably more reminiscent of what football would have been like back in the 70s or 80s, where there was a bit yeah. more of that camaraderie. You know, sort of thing. Yeah. And, and that was really, really nice to experience. Obviously, nowadays, you've obviously got all your um, sports science and stuff like that involved. So to, to, there was no big drinking sessions or nothing like that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a drinker myself anyway, but, you know, just going out for a bit of food with the lads, it was great. And then the other place I really enjoyed living was Harford in uh, Connecticut. Lovely, lovely part of you know, part of the United States. And 
it was, it was really relaxing there during the week. You know, you go to football, work hard, train hard, come back and have a sleep, go to the gym. So you really focused on your football. And then after the game, um, we used to do recovery day to death. So we'd go in and recover the next day. And then after that, around 12 o'clock, you'd done your recovery. A couple of us would drive down to New York and spend you know, spend the day and night in New York and yeah. have a little bit of time around the city. So you're getting the best of both worlds. You've got that little bit of a you know, big city feel in terms of going there. Or you could pop up the other way to Boston. Now, I regret it now. I actually never went to Boston. Uh, and I, I wish I had because it's meant to be a fantastic city as well. But I was just, I think I was having such a good time when I, you know, popped down to, to New York that I couldn't get enough of it. But I really enjoyed living in them two places. Like, if I had to pick my two favourites, it would without doubt be Ottawa and, and Harford. Like, and what was Brazil like? Obviously, from from the outside point of view, you get this idea. It's like samba lifestyle, sort of a bit a bit yeah. mad. What what was what was that like? So I think if you were to go to like you know Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, Florianopolis, something like that, you're gonna get that get that sort of lifestyle. Where I was in Belém, it was a bit of a bit of a different different vibe. You know what I mean? It's um, it's up north in the Amazon, near the Amazon, and um, that sort of lifestyle wasn't quite as as available. So for me, it was predominantly I'd go to training, then like you're back in your back in your apartment for the rest of the day until you went back to training the next day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, People from the club would always tell me that, like, Ryan, you, you know, you can't go outside your apartment after dark. And if you do want to go outside your apartment in the daytime, you can only go with someone who's Brazilian and stuff like that. So I was very limited in what I could do. So I think that took its toll on me eventually. But in terms of the people, like I said, Brazilians are amazing people. Really, really good guys. Sound. Um, going back to your, your Morecambe days, obviously, you mentioned that game against Wolves, um, you know, an iconic moment for you on TV. And obviously, it was a crack, cracking free kick. Have you always had that in, in your locker? Is it something you've, you've worked on throughout your career, like the free kicks? Or? So I've always been technically very good. Um, that was one of my strongest things. As a, you know, as a kid, everyone's got to strengths some weaknesses. Mine was being technically proficient. And then when I was 20, it was just halfway through my season at Rill, I got introduced to a fellow called Bartek Silvestrach, who's a, a ball striking expert. And I think at the time he was working with a few lads from Crew, Nick Powell and Ashley Westwood. Obviously, both have gone on to do, you know, good things in the career. Um, and I think initially Bartek wasn't too keen on working with me because I was a non-league player and he just wanted to work with pros. And someone said, "Listen, give Ryan a chance. He, you know, he's done it." And then he gave me a chance. And as you say, he said I'm one of if not the best players he's had to sort of pick up the technique. You know, I've got a unique balance between power and and the technique. And I work with him constantly for about two, two and a half years um, every Wednesday taking 300 shots every Wednesday my groin was hanging off after it you I was going to say buddy hell repetitive strain yeah so that, that was start of 20, January 2012 and obviously the Wolves game was around August 2013 so I had a good 18 months away from a at this point and um, yeah I actually, actually said to a lad you can see me speaking to a tall lad called Tony Diani I'd had two free kicks that game from the other side, and the keeper had managed to save, to save them. I think they were both on target, but on that other side was where I regularly would practice with Bartek. Yeah. And Tony was like, "Let me have this one." And I just looked at it. I was going to let him have it. And I just knew I was going to score. And I said to him, I "said Tony, I said I'm going to score this. I said I'm taking it." So then, like, it's probably one of the only moments I've had in my career where I knew I was going to score. And it's funny because my mum was actually in the crowd and the. Some some fella was there, I think he was a reporter was sitting next to him when that fruit free kick obviously the ref blew the whistle. 
part of me, my mum said she was like that. I'd have had my hands and my, um, the fella said to me, mum, she said, oh, are you all right there? And she said, no. She said, I know he's going to score. Because she, she, like, I can hit from that range, I can hit that shot probably seven times out of ten, you know what yeah. I mean? That's just where repetitively, I've done that shot 300 times so, yeah. so, you know, for so many weeks. So she knew I was going to score. I'd said to Tony I was going to score. And yeah, the inevitable sort of happened and it went in. And uh, the fella after it was like, how did you know he was going to score? I said, oh, to me, son, I know he practices like that shot every <laughs> Wednesday. Like, so that was quite a, you know, a fun experience. And it was just nice for the club as well and the fans. You know, we had a really, like I said, a really community based team there and, and you know the fans are there they had a great night that night and then Newcastle coming to town um a few weeks later and I think they must have brought a couple of thousand with them the place was packed out again it was another night on Sky Sports so financially it was great for the club as well. Yeah. Um and, you know as a player you they're the experiences you live for. Would you say that's one of your highlights of your career? Oh 100 percent more just because of the the emotion in the in the crowd that night, the, the, the stadium was electric. Like it's a very like, um, they're very close to the pitch as well, aren't they? Very like on top of you at the globe. Exactly. exactly. I mean, it's probably only about five thousand in there. Um, yeah. I mean, in Oxford, we were getting like eight between seven and nine thousand at a game, but then the atmosphere of that night at Morecambe was was bouncing a hell of a lot more because in Oxford it was a twenty five thousand seat stadium, whereas at Morecambe you were looking at five five and a half thousand stuff in a six thousand seat stadium. And yeah. You said to the pitch it was you could feel every emotion in the That's in the fair. stadium that day so that was a that was really enjoyable and nice to see Morecambe um, doing you know having a really good strong season this year yeah um, really well aren't they yeah pushing for uh, they had a good win last night 94th minute and 96th minute goals against Salford so fair play are you still in touch with a, a lot of the lads then and I'll speak to a few of the lads now a lot of them have left and moved on I mean it's been what nearly six years since since mm. since, since uh, it's funny that because you look back and you think like, wow, where's me? Yeah, where's my life gone? <laughs> I'm really fortunate in the sense that, I mean, it was difficult at the start of my career and like, I probably physically developed, physically matured late. So at 21, whereas some lads were like, man, I was, I was probably still like a, a kid, but I still feel like my body's 21. I, you know, I've been such, I'm very fortunate. I've never suffered a major injury. And, um, Right now, I, feel, I probably feel like I've got the body of a 21-year-old, but the, now I've got the mindset of a 29, 30-year-old, you know what I mean? So I kind of feel like the next few years, I'm probably going to reach my prime, which will be a little bit later to, to other people. But it's it's one of them. I think, you know, it's like people see you get to the age of 30 and they, they just start, you know, suddenly them, them two-year deals will become one-year deals and yeah. stuff like that. It's one of them for me. I mean, I just love playing football, always have done, and... I think I'm just going to keep playing until the wheels fall off, to be honest. Yeah, go for it. Make, make the most of it. Would you say Morecambe was the, the best time of your career in terms of um, like prolonged football, you know, like a run in the side and, and that was the... Um, I, had, I, had a, I had a run in the team, a real good run in the team around 2013 with Morecambe. 2014, not so much, but I had a, I had a solid, like, I was always in the team and Basically, the last couple of years since um, it's funny because I've, I've I've been playing a bit deeper the last few years. Been playing like as like a six or an eight, and that's where I probably feel the most comfortable early on in my career. Because again, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm technically decent with a good shot. They're trying to play me as a ten, so I'll be around the goal. But 
probably my biggest strength is my organisation on the pitch. You know, I can organise and I can I can control the game. Um, so since I've been playing as a sixth in the eight the last two or three years, like since probably halfway through the year and a half, I, I didn't miss a game. Mm. But from, from that point on, Jimmy played me all the time. Sweden played every game. Um, so uh, for me, I'd probably say my, in terms of performance, my best, my best few years have been the last two, 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 three years. I feel like I've, I've kicked on. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. But like I said, it's with football. You know, if, if I'd have been putting them performances in at twenty one, and then I'd, I'd probably been as, I'd probably if I'd matured a little bit earlier and been, and had this mindset that I've got now at the age of twenty one, things may have panned out a little bit differently. You know, you may get more opportunities and stuff like that, but. Because of because of my age now, twenty nine, I know it's something clubs think about. So it's how you know, would you say your mindset has changed? Then, like you mentioned that, like what what is it that, that that's clicked for you, and how does that um, affect your game? One one thing is confidence. Do you know what I mean? Like as a kid, you you were always like, I always sort of felt like maybe because it come from non league that I was like. Not that I didn't belong there, but even times when I was playing well and doing well against Morku, against Wolves and Newcastle, you're always just waiting for it to end. You know what I mean? But now I've got that confidence in myself and that sort of authority in a way. For example, when I went when I went to to, to Sweden, it didn't take long for, for the lads to realise that I was gonna be the organizer on the team. You know what I mean? I was gonna, you know, I was very, very vocal on the pitch and I never had that as a kid, you know. I, 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 I just maybe that's just growth, maturity, the personal experience. I, I don't know, but either way, like I walk into a place now and I feel feel very confident in my abilities. Like as a as a kid, and that probably is evidenced in my consistency in my performances now. Whereas as a kid, sometimes I could one week I could be up there and I could be unbelievable, and the next week I'd be anonymous. Whereas now I'm I'm always floating around like there, you know. And, yeah. I'm probably a lot more reliable to a coach now. You know, he knows what he's getting from me every game. Um, and he knows I can probably bring the best out of my teammates as well. Um, so that's that's something that... I actually had this conversation the other day with, with, with an ex-teammate of mine. And I said, like, I wish I had this sort of mentality as a, as a younger player. And I think, truthfully, I've probably physically matured a lot as well. Um, I was looking at some pictures from summer of 2013 the other day and I was 22 and I'm very much I was ripped and stuff mm. like that but I still had a boy's physique you know yeah. like I, I was like I look at myself now I've got, I've got a man's body now do you know what I mean and, and that physically again that's just look at the draw though isn't it some lads physically mature at 18, 19 and you know I think you can see that you look at someone like a Wayne Rooney he was a man at 16 do you know what yeah. I mean but then at the same time, he's he's he's, re- he's retired now. Yeah, he can burn out um, a bit quicker, can't he? Jamie Vardy's the same age as him, and he's still doing doing the business in the Premier That's League. Amazing. But he obviously yeah. wasn't at the start of his career. So you know, everyone's going to have the moment. I think you've just got to try and capitalise when when it's yours. So for me, I'm you know I'm looking forward to me to my next opportunity and um, definitely ready to go. That, that that that's something I do as you know as you get a little bit older. You, I'm, I'm nailed on my diet every day and I'm in the gym all the time. Because as a kid, you sort of take that for granted a little bit. So yeah. that, your professionalism goes, goes you know, a lot higher and um, that sort of stuff. And yeah, so they're, they're, they're probably the biggest the biggest changes I've, I've experienced like through through my career. And 
it's funny I can chart year on year, you know, if I look back at each team I was playing for or where I was, and I can see sort of the growth in myself as a person. So that's yeah, for me that's a huge plus point. Like, and that that's sort of why I'm probably I'm more looking forward to football over the next four or five years into me, you know, into my thirties than the first stage of my career because looking back I probably wasn't ready to take them next steps. You know, I think Brent Brentford probably if I'd have gone to Brentford after two or three years of playing abroad, things would have been different. I mean, I look back now and I probably wish I'd gone to college in America and done the university thing. Because if I'd gone there, I'd have probably ended up in the in the draft and then you end up in an MLS system. And then once you're in the MLS, then you can branch out. But um Was was Brentford just too big of an opportunity to turn down, obviously, like jumping up two leagues, they were very much on the up. Was it Mark Warburton there at the time then or no, it was a guy called uh, Magnus Dacuzin. And then he he was literally there for pre-season and about four games and then he was gone. So you're like, geez. And then um then Lee Carsley took over for a bit. I think he's at Man City now. Um and then uh, the last month of it, Dean Smith took over. So it was but then I look back I look back at when I was at Brentford and like I was twenty four, but I was still a kid. I'd never I'd never lived away from home. I'd never mm. Not, not like that. I, I didn't have the confidence in myself to impose myself in the dressing room. Do you know what I mean? So I think I was, I was looking, I'd looking around the dressing room. You're seeing a lot of lads. Some of them been, been bought for big money. Some of them were earning big money, and you, you did a little bit like, wow. You know what I mean? It, it overwhelmed you a little bit. Whereas now, I think because I've seen so much, I wouldn't even think about it twice. Do you know what I mean? It is yeah. what it is. You're just there to do your job. Um, but again, it's, it's little, little things like. You go from Morecambe where everyone's coming in in like a in a Vauxhall Astra, and you go to Brentford and there's G wagons and Porsche yeah. Panamera. It, it, you know it's a jump, but um, obviously with the experiences that you you go through, that I've been through from playing in different countries, that starts then just casually become normal. So it, it's it's not a jump for you know you see these things and it's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, so that was. That was a uh, that's my viewpoint on it and the way I, I sort of look at it. You know, I think if I'd if I'd, if that Brent opportunity that rose now, you know, if I was twenty four now, but I had my current mindset and I've yeah. got the experience that I've got, things would have definitely been different. Like, yeah, fair enough. So, so where, where do you see the next few years? Obviously, um, um we're, we're obviously winning mad mad times at the moment, but where ideally do you want your next? football steps to be is it is there a country that you haven't played in yet that you perhaps fancy going to or do you want to stay back home or so for me it's like it's funny England's a unique market in the sense that should you should you leave England sometimes it'll be tricky to get back Mm. Um, do you feel like once you do leave you're you're almost off the radar like English clubs forget about you even though you're perhaps playing at a decent level it's like if anything they should stand out a bit more shouldn't you well, you think that, but that, that's definitely how it works. And I think if you look at like teams abroad, they have no hesitancy. You know, if you've been playing in America or you've been playing in Brazil, Sweden will take you straight away. You know what I mean? Like things yeah. like that, but it's not the same. So as much as I'd love to have another season in England, then I know for a fact I could definitely, definitely contribute to a, you know, a team. Um, whether that's going to be a realistic possibility, I don't know. Um, I'd love to play back in America as well. Uh, I, I really, really like it out there. Uh, a lot of them don't know what's going on. I don't think with the COVID and all that sort of stuff, so that's a bit tricky. But in the in the short term, I think 
I'd love to experience playing in Asia or the Middle East. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting to hear back on a few things in the next few days as there's been interest out there. So hopefully I know a little bit more in the next seven days, but I'd be more than happy to go and experience experience the football out there. Um, I know obviously uh, a lad who's a friend of mine, Nico Yanaris, he's, he's, uh, he's out in China, doing yeah. really well in the league last season. Um, a Danish lad who played with a um, Brentford lad, uh, yeah, he's a, he went out and played in, in China for a little bit. I actually spoke to him the other month and he, he's back in Denmark now with Michelin. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see lads getting out there and branching out and trying things. But, you know, you only get one one career and, you know, I think you've got to make the most of it, like. Definitely. I think football's, you know, in, in the general working life, football's one of those careers where you do get massive opportunities in, in any country. So, like you said, you've got to make the most of it. It's a, it's a short career. So why not go and live in China for a bit? Like, how many of the chances would you get in a different industry, you know? Exactly, exactly. And the thing with going, going abroad and experiencing all these things, you meet so many different people as well. So, I mean... I mentioned to you when we were speaking last week in terms of I met people when I was in America and for the last 18 months we've been building a football app that yeah. could potentially revolutionise football. You know what I mean? It's it could be something that the, the, there's a huge market for it that you know that's all I can really say on it right now, but hoping to have that up and running on the app store by the summer at the latest. And um, that's something that everyone can get benefits from, you know, and it, it, it had I only ever stayed in England, I probably have never have, I'd never have experienced that, you know, and, and had the, the opportunity to meet these sorts of people. So for me, it's been, it's been a fantastic journey. Like, yeah, and everything with with Brexit at the moment, obviously, is making it pretty tough to to get outside of Britain. I'm, you know, I try and help a few players and and scouts and agents myself, and there's just, well, it's tough. Like, you know, unless you've got an Irish or an EU passport, has, has there been a, bit, a few blocks for you or do you see a way around that at the moment? It's been tricky. Me and I was speaking to a team the other day and uh, they're, they're interested in me going there, but I can't fly direct to that, to that country. For two, I've got to go to another country for two weeks first. Yeah. So, you know, we're waiting to, to hear back on that. And it's it's just a, it's a tricky time for everyone right now, isn't it? You know, and yeah. listen, I get End of the day, there's no point complaining about it. It is what it is. Just got to keep cracking on and throw everything and work out the way it's meant to. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so you've been keeping yourself busy. So obviously during lockdown, etc. how have you found it? Like, are you just smashing the gym every day? Like, Yeah, to be honest, to be honest with you, I mean, I haven't stopped. Like, I'm, I can't wait to go back to football because I'll get a bit of downtime, you know, because I'll go yeah. to the the rest day. But right now, I'm literally up in the morning. First thing I'll do will be bang breakfast, go to the gym, train now and now and off, or not necessarily the gym, because the gyms are closed, but I'll be out you know, running, ball work, whatever it may, may be, um, do that, come back, and then I've obviously got my financial plan business, which I'm working on, which has been going really well, um, especially in terms of, you know, you know, advising people, and I do a lot of footballers get in touch, and, and that sort of stuff, so I'll help them out in any way I can, and then obviously I'm working with the time zone, when my app developers are in America, are up, then I'm on calls with them and then we're building relationships and partnerships with you know other organizations ready for the launch and that sort of stuff. So I've had that taking up my time and I've also for the last three years I've been quite big into cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Oh yeah. So I've been there following the markets with uh, with a lot of interest, especially the last few months because it's been popping off. So 
I've just been, I've, I've, I've had a lot going on, to be honest with you, yeah, so it's been, it's been a busy time. Well, it's good to keep busy, I suppose. Um, so, so with the app, like, tell us as much as you can on that, like, how did it start? Was it just people that you, you played with in America sort of had an idea? Like, how did you get involved with that? I was literally driving home, home from New York, uh, I think it was a Monday night, a Sunday or a Monday night, I was, I was with my friend, Jose Angulo. I was in the car and we were listening to some music on the quiet night, driving back, and uh, this idea just came to my mind, so I was like, that's something I'd use, and I'd use every day. So I typed it on the app store, because I thought, surely someone's brought this out, so I'll download it, and it's not available, so I was like, hmm. So then I, I got in touch with a, a Russian fella um, who owns a, a suit shop up in, up in Hartford. He owns, like, a suit shop. He owns, like, a... a Couple of coffee shops. He's a businessman. Yeah. And, uh, it was funny. I actually ran into him in the barber shop. He was a huge soccer fan. So you know, he starts asking me about football. I was asking him about business. So I said to him, "Can we have a sit down? I've got an idea. I want to propose to you." So I proposed it to him, and he loved it. So he then went and sourced that developer for me, and um, they've half built the app now. Um, and then literally last week, I had a I had a meeting with. Um, uh, app development company from the UK who have done work for PlayStation, Universal Studios, as they're a very, very big company, and presented the idea to them and the build on the app half it's built, and they loved it. They said this is incredible. Like so, we're gonna they want to take over the, the app build now, so we're gonna bring them on board, and they'll hopefully polish it up and have it up and ready, up and running, ready for the app store in the next fourteen weeks. But I can't say I can't say too much at the minute. But what I can say is within the next. Hopefully within the next four weeks, a website will be be available for yeah. you to, to register and basically um, register your interest in your creator profile and, and stuff like that, and have a username all set up. So um, ready for when the app does launch on the app store. So I'll, I'll I'll send that to you, and you know you can you can share that with your followers, and they can have Absolutely. access to it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I've already been speaking to a, a, an organisation. With uh, who represents about six to eight hundred current professional soccer players, and um, about having an official partnership with them, which we just got some more uh, meetings with regards to that next week, and that'll be hopefully so straight away. There could be six to eight hundred pros already on there, on the app, ready to you, you, you know make make use of it basically. Um, but there's so many avenues the app can take as well in terms of development and long term phase two, phase three. Um, just in terms of development, you know, it's, it's all going to be based on the user. What does the user want and how can we best service them? So, yeah, that's uh, something I'm really excited for. Really, really excited. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, in terms of your football career, next next five years, ideally, how do you see it panning out? And then would you want to stay in, like you mentioned, like sort of technical director? Do you see you still want to yes. be involved in the game once your playing days are over? I've always loved the game, always have since I was a kid. So, you know, I definitely envisage myself staying in the game in some capacity. And for next, at least the next five or six years, I want to keep playing. I want to play as high, high level as I possibly can. But that's always my aim, to, to keep pushing, especially because of the way I look after my body and how fit I feel. As long as I'm fit and healthy, I'm just going to keep playing as long as I can. I've played with a couple of guys in my career who have been huge assets to the teams I've been on, and they were 36, 37, 38. So... I don't see no reason why why that can't be myself either. Yeah, sounds brilliant. And 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 co- coaching, managing—is that something on the agenda for you? Or 
it's funny because a, co- a couple of the lads, a couple of my ex-teammates have said to me, like, you know, so I, you know, we think you'd be a great manager, like, but I don't know. I, I'm still undecided on it. Still undecided if that's if that's something of what I went into. For me, it would be obviously you want to achieve the best results you can for for the team. But for me, I'd also want to focus on bringing the best out of my players and giving them a platform where they really enjoyed themselves. You know, really felt comfortable expressing themselves. They developed and get the best out of them because. You know, I think if you can not just nurture people in terms of football, but also in terms of a, you know, as human beings, you know, really understand people on a human level, then I think that adds value to the team in a massive way. That's and that's something that only a couple of managers in my career have felt that I've felt that they've made them the most of. You know what I mean? Um, so if I, could, if I could bring that, and I felt I was capable of bringing that to a team or an organisation, then. It's something I'd definitely, definitely consider like. Um, but again, even if it was potentially a role in some sort of technical capacity, like a technical director, I think strategizing and planning, planning ahead and planning for the future and coming up with a bit of a battle plan on how to progress and what direction to take an organization, that's something I'd definitely, definitely love to, you know, be involved in. I mean, ideally, I think like anything, you have to learn the ropes and there's, it's not something you can just jump straight into. So if I could, you know, you can find a mentor or someone who's, you know, current technical director and shadow them for a year or two and really learn from them, then you know, you're going to put yourself in the best position then to move on to an organisation and take up that, you know, that role yourself somewhere. Well, I think with the contacts you've you've developed throughout your career in, in all four corners of the world, pretty much, I think you'll be all right going forward, whether it's, you know, help and advice from, from anyone or if uh, someone wants to get you on board with them. So I think you'll be all right with that, don't you? Definitely, definitely. I do think I could bring a lot of value, you know, in, in one of them roles, purely just based on the contacts that I've, yeah. I've made. And, um, so that's something that that's a stage of my career, and I'm definitely looking forward to. And I think when I get to that stage, I'll be you know, a little bit older. I'll definitely be ready to to put down roots for at least a couple of years at a time, and, and you know, in a certain place. So that's, uh, that's something I'm excited for, like. Um, well, uh, good luck with uh, the next step, wherever that be, may be. Hopefully, you get. Football gets back to normal and you get a club sorted, wherever, whatever part of that world will be. And um, yeah, keep in touch about the app and whatever's happening in that and we'll be happy to share it and, and get involved as much as we can. Appreciate it. No way. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Okay. Bye, bye. See you later. See you later.